You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. continue with the events that happened and transpired before the battle of Badr to see exactly what happened at Badr. Now after a while when the Prophet was in Medina, the reason why it's important to know this because a lot of orientalists and those who are critical of Islam, they accuse the Prophet of instigating the battle of Badr and that it was not a defensive battle, it was an offensive battle because the Prophet he himself wanted to fight the Quraysh. So it's important to understand how the battle of Bad transpired. So when the Prophet was in Medina, the Kuffar of Quraysh, they write a letter to Abdullah ibn Abi ibn Ubay ibn Salul. Remember who he was? Abdullah ibn Ubay, the leader of the hypocrites in Medina. They write a letter to him and to those pagans from the Aus and the Khazraj. There were some who had not converted to Islam yet, they were still pagans. The Prophet is now in Medina, this is before the Battle of Badr. This is what they write to the leader of the hypocrites in Medina. They tell Abdullah ibn Ubay, who was you know a prominent figure in Medina before the Prophet came, they tell him, you are the ones who gave refuge to this man, the Prophet and you have a lot of power in Medina. We make an oath by Allah on you to either kill Muhammad or drive him out of Medina, send him to us, we'll deal with him or we shall mobilize the Arab forces and come and fight you in Medina. Who wrote this letter? The Kuffar of Quraysh. Okay, put yourself in the Prophet's shoes for a moment. You have a community, for 13 years you were persecuted in Mecca, Muslims some of them died because of that persecution, they were tortured, their wealth was confiscated, their homes were, the, were either demolished or confiscated and now there is a letter from the Quraysh to the leader of the hypocrites there, either kill Muhammad or drive him out or we'll come and fight you, what do you do? As a responsible community leader, what would you do? Say, oh yeah, I'm Rahmatul Alameen, go do whatever you want. That's irresponsible. They're openly threatening to fight you and mobilize the Arab forces. And they're planning to kill you, assassinate you and kill the Muslims. You can't just stand there, do nothing. The Prophet was obligated by moral law, by civil law, by religious law to do something. Because they really wanted to uproot the religion of Islam. And in fact, they even threatened the people of Medina that if you don't do this, if you don't kick Muhammad out of Medina, we'll even come and rape your woman. Imagine such a threat coming from some evil leaders in Quraysh. The Prophet is a man of dignity and honor, he has to defend his community. So the Prophet was aware that this happened and he went to those hypocrites and he told them, he told them, I am aware of this plan, Quraysh is trying to collaborate with you, I'm giving you advice, don't collaborate with Quraysh, you will regret it. The Prophet threatens them, don't conspire with Quraysh, there will be severe consequences. So the hypocrites in Medina, they kind of get scared and for now they, you know, 
um, postpone the conspiracy against the Prophet. But in the back of their minds, they're like, whenever we get the opportunity, we will. So now a very important event happens right before the Battle of Badr. The Prophet sends an expedition, he wasn't present in this expedition, to monitor the activities of Quraysh, you know, where their caravans are going on the trade route, because you need to collect information about what your enemy is doing to see their plan and to see their conspiracy. The Muslims needed to be ready. This was for the national security of the community in Medina. So the Prophet he sends Abdullah ibn Jahsh al-Asadi to a place called the Nakhla. And he gives him a letter, he tells him two days from now open the letter. And a few of the Muhajireen go with him. Twelve of the Muhajireen go with him. Two days later he opens the letter. The Prophet tells him in the letter, Basically, the Prophet didn't ask him to go and fight the caravans of Quraysh. He told him, go and monitor the activities of Quraysh. Let me know what their caravans are up to, what are they doing, where they're traveling. We need to gather intelligence so we can be ready if they want to attack us. Now, here's what happens over there. Abdullah ibn Jahsh, and those 12 Muslims who were with him, when they reach the area called Nakhla, they meet a caravan that belonged to Quraysh that was carrying food, food items and also zabib, dried um, grape, raisins, dried grapes, raisins, which was very you know, expensive in Arabia, in the deserts of Arabia at the time because they would bring this from Palestine and it was very expensive, so it was carrying that. Now basically what happened is that Amr ibn al-Hadrami and Uthman and Nawfal, the two sons of Abdullah ibn al-Mughira and also al-Hakam ibn Kaysan, they were in that caravan representing Quraysh. Now, the Prophet did not command them to kill them. What did the Prophet command them in the letter? To do only what? Gather intelligence. Let us know what they're doing and then come back to Medina. Now, when the Muslims confront the caravan of Quraysh, they decided to attack them. Not by the instruction of the Prophet, they decided to attack them. So they attack them and they kill one of them. And they capture two as prisoners of war. And they also lose two from the Muslim side. Two are taken as prisoners of war. So yes, a small fighting happens, but the Muslims do actually kill, kill them. And this was their rationale. They're like, you know, today is the last day of Rajab. Rajab is one of the sacred months. We don't want to fight in the month of Rajab. But these Quraysh, if they go into the Haram, they go back to Mecca, they're going to empower the Quraysh and they will fight us, so we need to take some action. So there's a confrontation, in that confrontation the Muslims kill one of the members of Quraysh. Now this was not by the instruction of the Prophet They acted on their own. They reached the city of Medina, they seized some of the valuables from that caravan, and they brought two prisoners of war with them. 
The Prophet when he saw them, he told them, Ma haram. I didn't tell you to kill in the sacred month. Why did you do that? And the Prophet refused to divide the spoils that they got from the caravan. Because normally what would happen, you take the spoils and you give it to the Muslims, especially the Muhajireen who had lost their wealth in Mecca. The Prophet says, for now I refuse. I'm not going to do anything, let Allah intervene. So the initial reaction of the Prophet, he wasn't happy with what they did. But he wasn't too strict to condemn them either. He was waiting for revelation. Now you could argue, why didn't the Prophet hold them accountable? In the end, he never told them to fight and they did kill one of the mushrikeen. See, even though the Prophet did not instruct them to fight, but they did have the right to fight. Why? Because of the way the mushrikeen had treated them. The way the mushrikeen treated them, yes. Well, I was just going to say that I'll, even though he didn't instruct them to fight, he also didn't instruct them not to fight. So, it, But it was a given that he was just telling them gather intelligence. So when the Prophet is not giving you an instruction to fight, you just stick to the instructions. So it was somewhat a violation of the instructions of the Prophet. But rationally speaking, they had the right to fight. Why? Like the sister said, first of all, the Meccans, they had killed Muslims. They had blood on their hands. So they were criminals. Number two, they had confiscated their property. I was living in Mecca. The Meccans came, they kicked me out of my house. They took my money. Okay, now if I see their caravan, don't I have the right to claim my money back? Of course I do. They stole it from me. If someone steals something from you and then you have access to it, can't you reclaim it? Of course you can reclaim it. So rationally speaking, they did have the right, but the Prophet had not given them a clear instruction. Number three, the Muslims were fed up. They told Quraysh for 14 years now, this is the 14th year, you continue to persecute us, enough is enough. For 13, 14 years, we didn't retaliate, we didn't do anything. We just put our heads down and we accepted your torture. But now things are changing. Now we are going to retaliate. Now we're going to fight back. Because now we have a community to defend. We gave you 13 years to repent, to stop, to leave us alone, to not harass us. But don't think that will continue. See, when you're a source of Rahmah, you give your enemy a, a chance. The Prophet gave them 14 years, in fact 15 years. He, 13 years in Mecca and almost two years in Medina. The Prophet didn't go to war with them. He didn't confiscate anything from their property. He didn't reclaim any of his own property and the Muslims. But until when? Until when are you just going to stay silent? Especially when the Meccans were sending letters like that to the people in Medina to mobilize against the Prophet and to kill the Prophet So they had the right to actually do what they did. But it was not by the instruction of the Prophet. So the Prophet says, you know, I'm not going to do anything with the two prisoners of war. I'm not going to divide the spoils from that caravan amongst Muslims. Let me wait and see what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say. The Meccans rejoiced and the Jews in Medina rejoiced. They're like, perfect. The Muslims have done a big violation. Muhammad isn't happy about that, he's even confused what's going on. And the pagans started to spread rumors, see these Muslims, they're violent, they're not peaceful. And in the sacred month, they've killed someone. 
And the Jews are like, yeah, see? Muslims, you have violated the law of God. You have violated the sanctity of the month of Rajab. And even your prophet, he's not sanctioning what you did. That invited the enemies of Islam to come and verbally harass Muslims and to demoralize them. Now the Muslims felt shaken, you know, what did we do? What happened? What happened? Did we, you know, violate? Is God going to be angry with us now? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends a verse in the Holy Quran in order to give his verdict. They ask you about the sacred months. Rajab was one of the sacred months. Is there fighting in it? Can there be fighting in it? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives his final verdict. Yes, fighting in the sacred month is a big deal. Killing someone in the sacred month is a big deal. However, Allah says killing is a big deal, but let me tell you what's a bigger deal. Insisting on fighting the path of Allah, taking control of Masjid al-Haram and not allowing the Muslims to worship in it, and driving the Muslims out of their homes is a much bigger deal in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Creating fitna in society and ruining the social fabric of Medina and prosecuting and persecuting people is greater than killing. So Allah gave His verdict. The Muslims were revealed. So in, on one side, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does say in the verse that, okay, killing is a big deal, but don't let that distract you from what the Quraysh have been doing. Okay, maybe it was a slip, they slipped. But what you Quraysh have been doing for 13 years, you're killing Muslims and torturing them and confiscating their property, that's not a big deal? Oh, that's a much bigger deal than just killing. So when Allah reveals this verse, the Muslims are revealed that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the end He supported their cause. Yes, they slipped, but okay, I mean they're not infallible. What the pagans were doing was far worse. At least the Muslims had the legal right to retaliate. After 14 years, for the first time they're retaliating. For the first time, that's fine. Yes, Allah prefers that this doesn't happen in the month of Rajab to Respect the sanctity of the month of Rajab, but don't be distracted. What's happening that's greater and far worse is what the Quraysh are doing. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala basically gives his verdict. Now, one question here, because some Orientalists, they do object and we need to respond to these objections. Why didn't the Prophet punish them? They're like, I know you may have had good intentions, but in the end you killed. So you should get killed or you should be punished for that. Why weren't those Muslims punished? Remember, if the Prophet had punished those Muslims, that would have been a big blow to the Muslims. And that would have weakened them and demoralized them such that the Muslims would feel, you know, overwhelmed from every side. 
On the one hand, the pagans are conspiring against us. The Jews are mobilizing forces against us. And now Muhammad is condemning us. It was too much at that point. It was not appropriate for the Prophet to punish them. Maybe, maybe some of them would have even denounced Islam. They're like, they, would, they could have said to the Prophet, you know, you're too utopian here. I mean, these guys, 15 years, they're persecuting us. Okay, now one day we confronted them. Now you want to kill us? It was not practical. It was not wise for the Prophet to punish them. And that's why Allah supported them in the Quran. Yes, the killing is a big deal. However, Allah says, I'll, I'll, I'll let go of that. I'll forego what they did because they, they did have the right. They had the rational right to defend themselves and to retaliate after 14 years. In the end, you're a human being and you blow up after 14 years. You see people who drove you out of your lands, who confiscated your property, who have blood on their hands. And you had the opportunity, you attacked them and you killed them. And it happened, you know, spontaneously. It wasn't like they planned for it. When they went to Nakhla, their goal was just to gather intelligence. They got caught in the heat of the moment and they killed so it was not appropriate for the Prophet ﷺ to punish them. Secondly, what the pagans were doing was far worse. They should not have the audacity to attack Muslims now and cry like babies. For 15 years they were persecuting the Muslims. Now if one of the Muslims retaliated, oh they make a big deal and they cry like babies. This is unacceptable. Sayyid, what happened to those prisoners? We'll see what happens to those two prisoners. They're like, no, he should have immediately like punished them. The Prophet says, no. I didn't give them those orders, but let me wait for Allah. And remember, the, the Prophet doesn't do anything out of his own. But I'm talking about like the Orientalists. They don't believe in revelation and wahi. For me to tell them, God, you know, told him that. I'm just looking at it from a normal social perspective, historical perspective. The Prophet should not have punished them. It was wrong to punish them. And that's why he stopped and he waited for revelation. So when, when the verse was revealed, the Prophet says, okay, now the ghana'im, the, uh, basically the spoils from the caravan that you got, distributed amongst the Muslims, especially the muhajireen who had lost a lot of their wealth in Mecca, give it to them. This is their right, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sanctioned that. As for the two prisoners of war, what happened to them? Basically, the two prisoners of war were Al-Hakam ibn Kaysan and Uthman ibn Abdullah. The Quraysh sent word to the Prophet, okay, send back our prisoners. The Prophet said, you took two of our prisoners too, send them back and we'll send these two. They're like, okay, fine. So the Quraysh, they send those two prisoners of war. The Prophet released them. As for Al-Hakam ibn Kaysan, he became a Muslim. When he saw the akhlaq of the Prophet, he's like, I'm not going back to Mecca. I'm staying here. I'm part of this ummah of the Prophet When he saw the gentleness and his character. As for the other prisoner of war from the Quraysh, Uthman ibn Abdullah, he went back to Mecca and he died as a kafir. So one of them actually became a Muslim and the other one died as a kafir. So the Prophet didn't kill the prisoners of war, he didn't do anything, he, he freed them. One of them decided to stay, the other one decided to go back to the city of uh, Mecca. Uh, 